Hey, Orioles fans, welcome to the latest edition of Yard Work on MassInSports.com with Orioles beat writer Steve Molesky. I'm Brian Eller. Steve, how are you, man? I'm fighting a little scratchy throat here, Brian, but otherwise I'm doing better than the Orioles, unfortunately. Yeah, I know our last episode was before the All-Star break. Did you at least were able to enjoy some downtime, at least uh, take advantage of those few days there? Yeah, yeah. Got away for a couple days, which was nice, and um, back to the grind now here with a long homestead. Yeah, and as you said, Steve, I think uh, I think the Orioles are kind of wishing they could redo the uh, the start to the the second half of the season, at least post All Star break. I uh, I don't know if there was a series, um, a single th- you know series against one opponent that was as rough as this past weekend against Chicago Cubs. But uh, boy, for for a team that needed to come out of the gate, you know, really on fire, I think they 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 certainly did not do that, Steve. It's a bit concerning. I mean, it's just a really poor start to the second half, and um, they just can't get <clears throat> the rotation straight. And, you know, starts out with the 8 nothing deficit in the third inning right out of the gate, and Miley and Ubaldo not able to do any better. So I don't know, I don't know where the turn. I think they're, some of these guys you have to figure must be running out of chances. I don't, I don't know if the team is going to look to uh, try some new pitchers, but – they're probably reaching that point where they have to consider that. Yeah, and I mean, when you couple it with the fact that they they won the last two games before the All-Star break, and again, it's just two games, but you were kind of hoping that, uh, you know, it would at least carry in some momentum, and you got you got Zach Britton coming back, you got Davis returning, and you it was kind of the stars aligned, and, and maybe, maybe you know, it still can, but uh, it just seemed like... Uh, you know there was some optimism, and in three days, it's kind of gone back to well. If you're a fan, I don't really know if there's much optimism at all. Like it's it's just weird that it happened so fast. I mean, it's just a, it's a fresh start. It's a reboot. Um, when you start the second half, you, <clears throat> let's get a push going here. And um, unfortunately, you know um, it was a rest, but it didn't change anything in a rotation that's just been poor all year. And so. Um, Nothing changed. Uh, got got worse, really. Yeah, I mean, after Sunday's loss, I know Buck was talking about, uh, you know, the more how many more chances do you do you give these starting pitchers? And um, he had mentioned, you know, you, you you know for a fact that they they all have better track records than this. And I think somebody brought up in post game, you know, how how long can you continue to trust a track record? It's sort of the what have you done for me lately? And Buck kind of brought up a good point. He says, you know, as, as opposed to doing what, you know, what else can you do? But um, I, I, I wonder, Steve, I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this because I feel like for a long time, and even now, the Orioles are six games out of the second wildcard spot, which isn't, you know, uh, it's still middle of July. I feel like the kind of second wildcard spot puts almost a discouragement on some teams when they're just kind of floundering around because I think any objective person could sit there and look at this Orioles roster and say right now that they're not playing like a playoff caliber team. But at the same time, you could say, well, they're still in the playoff race there, which technically they are. So it's sort of when it comes to being a buyer or a seller or standing pat with what you have, it, it can sort of be really frustrating because you look and say, all right, well, this team needs to be sellers because they're clearly not a playoff caliber team or at least playing to that level. Um, but at the same time, hey, you 
know, one or two good weeks of, of playing up to their level, and they could be three or two games out of a wild card spot, and then bam, you've got two months left to play. So, I, do you what do you? The second wild card was kind of interesting and adds for some late drama. But do you kind of feel like it can kind of skew some front offices' view of hey, maybe what direction to go at this time of year? Um, I I mean I don't think so. I mean I think if you uh, teams are not going to always honestly tell you. <clears throat> what they're thinking, especially about their own team and players sometimes, and sometimes because those are harsh assessments. But I think the Oriole Brass has seen two months of losing baseball um, and not losing baseball by a couple games, but, you know, 20 games under, whatever it is. So <clears throat> I I just don't think it's a contender. You know, if they play great for two weeks, we can look up and see where they are at the end. But there's nothing saying they're going to do that, and I think – you know, they have to start planning for the future. That's what that's what I would do. Yeah. So I guess Steve, if you're if you're planning for the future, um, I guess we're, you're shelling off some assets there. They're kind of looking to, to to rebuild. And as you said, and other teams have taken notice. When you go through the rebuilding process, this isn't just a, a, a one or two year, you know, all right, we'll, we'll kind of be have some down years for, for one or two seasons, then hopefully get right back up and win, you know, compete for a pennant or a World Series. I mean, sometimes it takes, uh, you know, the better part of a decade to really bring in young guys, bring in some talent, and, and it's sort of a nucleus. Now, thankfully, the Orioles have some pieces with Jonathan Scope and Trey Mancini, um, but I, I think I think fans should realize that, hey, this is not a quick turnaround if the Orioles do indeed go that route which it looks like they should I think it's hard to label it um and we all want to say okay they're in total rebuild we'll see in four years um but we don't know um there's no guarantee that you can bottom out a team and then rebuild and look like the Astros did as quickly as they did and as quickly as they did includes three 100 loss seasons but in my opinion, you can't say we're doing one or the other. I think they just have to. Zach Britton is is coveted by teams, and if they can get the haul that the Yankees got for Araldis Chapman, I would do it because they have a strength. Their bullpen is their strength. If you want to compare guys who would bring a haul of prospects, one is Manny Machado, who they have no replacement for, and one is Zach Britton, who they can't replace Zach uh, 100%. No one could. But they have other guys they like late in the bullpen, and they have some pitchers they like in the bullpen on the mar- in the minors. So it's more withstandable, if that makes any sense, to lose a, an all-star like Britton rather than an all-star like Manny. That doesn't mean you can't trade Manny, too. So I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I, I just think if teams are going to fight over Zach Britton over the next two weeks, and make some whopping offers that I, if I were running the team, which obviously I'm not, I would be happy to listen and might even have to pull the trigger on one or two of them and inject the system with some, some really good young talent while at the same time knowing we still have a pretty good bullpen and we still have a lot of guys we like in that bullpen. Yeah, and even some of those other guys in the bullpen, I, I don't think are off limits. You know, when you talk about guys like uh, Brad Brock and Darren O'Day, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're they're off the trading block. I, I, I mean, I, like you said, we don't know what goes on with Dan Duquette in the front office discussions, but uh, I'm sure they're the they've said before in the past that they'll entertain any idea. I mean, all it takes is you know doesn't take any commitment just to, to listen to a, a proposition on something. So it, it is interesting to see, like you said, yeah, their bullpen is the strongest part of that team. They if they can afford to take a 
hit and losing somebody and hopefully acquiring some assets it would be in the bullpen um i guess steve if i just run through a couple guys if, if it just in your opinion whether they're trading percentage chances are, are high medium or low um just kind of give me your your thoughts on 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 where each guy sits we'll start with with zach Britton. i mean his hit the percentage chances that he gets traded would you put it at, at a high or would you put it at medium or, or on the low end there uh it's so hard to call because brian i don't cover all these other teams to know uh how much how badly they want them and <clears throat> i just think that teams now um what makes it more important to look at britain is these teams are looking at October baseball, which is totally different than uh, April through September. In October, with off days in these five- and seven-game series, you can pitch bullpen guys almost every game, and and sometimes you stretch them out. So Andrew Miller pitches one inning all year, and then he pitches two and a third. An inning, two and a third, gets a day off, two and a third. You just look at what these guys can do in October – it's a different usage, and so uh, that would be one reason the Dodgers, for instance, who already have some good pitchers, would say, let's throw another one in there and give ourselves a better October shot, and that would be their motivation. Yeah, but it would be interesting to see because even with Britain out of, you know, recovering from those injuries, you, you could tell there was a marketable difference in the Orioles' bullpen, and like you said, you, you can't no one can replace Britain to a T because of the talent that he has. But um, but it is interesting to see that even though you, the bullpen has some other good assets in there and Brock and O'Day and Givens, um, the, you, there was definitely a noticeable change with, with Britain absent for those uh, times when he was trying to get back to healthy. But a lot of that was the starters too, which right. put a strain on everything. Um, and so, you know, I could see Michael Givens pitching the ninth. I could see Brad Brock. Um, I, I could see uh, uh, Crichton and Jacobonis, Mike Gal Castro being arms to get injected into the bullpen. And so um, that's trading from a strength for me. But you, you, you can't tell the fans we traded Zach Britton, but we got another Zach Britton over here because you don't. And so, you know, we're hearing from a lot of fans now who are excited about the possibility of selling players and getting these prospects. We haven't heard from the fans who, as soon as his expert is traded, are going to storm the palace and say, you traded the best closer in baseball. So but I guarantee you, Brian, we're going to hear from those fans. Right now they're not being heard from. Uh, but every, everything that happens is criticized by the fans in some segment of them. So those who don't want a sell of players have not been heard from. But as soon as you sell players, they will be heard from. I know how it works on the blogs and with the criticism, but the Orioles can't worry about that. They have to say what's the best thing to do for our future, and that clouds it even more because they have two guys running the team who are not signed beyond 2018 themselves. So I think there's a lot of uh, of stuff swirling here. It's funny, Steve, because I think if it were up to the fans on, on the blogs, and you you could attest to this, they they, they want to trade everyone who's doing poorly, but they want good talent in exchange so that we can keep Britain, they can keep Machado, and and they can unload you know an Abaldo Menez and, and bring in some young talent, and it's it's you know it's it's almost laughable because you say well that's just not the way it works, you know it's not like you can you can trade somebody one year when you say ah, I'm not not crazy about them and hope to get you know uh, you know some some major talent uh, in. Turn and still keep the guys that uh, you, you, you got to give give something to get something, you know. Uh, it's uh, 
guess so. I mean, you just can't um, you can't trade the end of the roster underperforming players and get um, top 100 prospects. Right. Right. Um, so we'll see what the Orioles do again. Trade deadline. It's coming fast, and the Orioles will certainly be mentioned. So, I, I would, if you're a fan, I would certainly say keep an eye on the blogs, keep an eye on on the broadcast, just just to to hear because I, I, I certainly um, some Orioles are, are in contention for being dealt. So, we'll keep an eye on that. According to something I read earlier today, the Orioles have kind of switched into sellers mode, or at least in in that way of thinking and discussions. But Manny Machado and Michael Givens are kind of on the list of off limits. Again, that could just be. Um, uh, you know, uh, un- untrue or, or you know, not not very strong rumor. But um, Steve, just I guess in, in on on the good side, we got to see Jonathan Scope participate in the All Star game. Um, he did did well for himself. You know, representing the Orioles. Um, at least there is some good news with hopefully guys like Jonathan Scope and Trey Mancini. They they seem to be two very lone bright spots on, on an otherwise kind of certainly disappointing season, huh? Well, they've both been good, you know, throughout. And um, <clears throat> Scope represented himself well, had a double, um, has hit, uh, contributed a few nice hits since they've been back. So, you know, he's really taken his game forward, um, which is good to see because uh, small improvements in plate discipline, I think, have led to large improvements in the stat sheet. And uh, this kid's a keeper. I mean, he's a, he's a bright kid. He loves to play. He's always smiling. Um He's got pop that's still maybe untapped. I mean, maybe, you know, he might have a 40 homer guy one day. So a lot to like. I know it's a small sample size, but what do you think of him when he at shortstop? Is it, is it just kind of interesting to see at this point, or how, how is he sort of fared? Uh, you know, that small sample size. I think he's done pretty well for those few games there. I mean, I think he he's always been a pretty good shortstop. I mean, the only reason he wasn't that through the higher minors was Manny Machado came along. And the Orioles realized both these kids have a chance to make it, and then they had a decision to make. Do we play them on two different teams so they can both play short, uh, or do we play them together? And they played them together, and that sent Scope to second. And the Orioles got a glimpse of a great double play combination, which still could be their future if Manny is uh, resigned or moves to short when Hardy's gone. Um, so uh, that that's the only reason Scope moved off short because Manny is a little better than him but I, I think Manny's got a bigger arm but but Scope's got a great arm it's just no one has the howitzer that Manny has uh, almost no one and so but Scope you know if again if there weren't Manny he would be a good really good shortstop he can get to the ball uh, now he's a bigger guy like Manny and maybe he doesn't have the mobility that some of these smaller shortstops uh, have but but Scope you know they always liked him at short do you think there's any discussion about when, if, if Machado is in trade discussions, the fact that Scope and Machado are so close um, that you almost don't want want to separate them, or is it is it is that really not a factor when you're talking about trying to make it a better club? You know, they, they, I feel like chemistry has to weigh for something. I'm just not sure how much that that weighs into the discussion. You know, uh, you mean in trying to keep Machado? Correct. I mean, I, I think pride will come down to money, and friendships are nice. And, you know, Manny and his agent will go for dollars and it won't be like, well, we'll take 50 million less because Jonathan Scope's here. Uh, The Orioles wish that were true and it's a business. And so, 
these these two are going to be friends for life, whether they're on the same team or not. And they, they but they love being on the same team now, and I'm sure they hope that that can continue. Yeah, and I know watching again the All Star Game was kind of seen as a bit of a, a snoozer, I guess. Just I actually I I really like it um, every year, I, and I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, for the World Series home field advantage on the line. I kind of like when it's just an exhibition. These guys can go out and kind of have some fun. The Home Run Derby, meanwhile, Steve, I don't know. What are your thoughts on just the Home Run Derby in general? Do you like the event? Is it something that you look forward to, or is it just kind of, uh, you know, just something that you put on the TV? I mean, it's a nice thing to have on uh, Monday night. I kind of wish the Futures game was given a bigger stage um, because it kind of comes on now opposite Sunday games, you know, it starts later in the day, and some games are over, but it goes into Sunday Night Baseball, and so why not, uh, it's been suggested to move the Futures game to Monday afternoon or even Monday evening, and maybe couple it with the Home Run Derby as a double header, and I think that would be great. It would be nice for the Futures game to stand on its own and not be played at the same time Major League games are played, so these top prospects could have a complete showcase. I'd love to see that. Uh, Monday night prime time, I mean, probably wouldn't do as well as the Home Run Derby, so they'll probably keep the Derby because you can put big-name stars in that, that, you know, like Judge, who attract viewers more over kids that some people have never heard of. But um, why not have the Futures game, like, at 4 o'clock and the, the Home Run Derby to follow um, on All-Star Monday? I mean, that's not a bad idea. We'll, we'll I'll ask you about Judge in a minute because, you know, the Orioles – obviously playing in the at least with the Yankees see him a lot and he's just he's an incredible talent but um I feel like in futures game the Orioles have have a pretty good history um of their their prospects and their talent doing well in the futures game again um I think they including this past Sunday well a lot of their stars over the years played in this game uh Matty Machado Jonathan Scope Zach Britton Chris Tillman Dylan Bundy Hunter Harvey they've played in the game and so that's cream of the crop for the Orioles, some of those names. And Hunter Harvey's going to be a big, big leaguer one day, too, I, I feel certain. And so uh, two years in a row for Chan Sisko, that's quite a coup, a triple today, uh, last year, or this year, and a homer last year. And Tanner Scott, I thought, threw a good inning. I mean, he had a tough at-bat there with Vladimir Guerrero, who got him, and, uh, you know, a run scored as, uh, as uh, Sisko couldn't block that one pitch. But he showed some nice, the improved slider that we've heard about, and he was throwing 99, and this kid's really had a good year. He's starting to make uh, solid improvements, and I see him in Baltimore next year. I really do. I, I don't think he'll be there this year. I think they should let him finish out the year on the farm. Same with Cisco, in my opinion. If September call-up, maybe, okay. But uh, let these kids finish their minor league seasons. But, you know, Brian, if they do start to rebuild – in any form, whether it's a small or a total rebuild, you could be looking at guys from the farm impacting next year's team from Cedric Mullins to Austin Hayes to Chance Sisko to Tanner Scott to name just four. And at a time we're hearing the Orioles farm system doesn't have anything, you know, some of these kids might be able to play. So we're going to see, maybe we're going to see uh, some of that over the next year or two. And Steve, I don't know whether, you know, the fact that Cisco is is performing well, and there was talk, you know, before the season started about whether he he'd be called up uh, during the season, whether that kind of weighs into 
um, a trade chip for Wellington Castillo. Again, bringing it back to the trade deadline, he's a name that has kind of been mentioned a few times, but I don't know whether, obviously, you got a backlog in catchers with, with Caleb Joseph and, um, you know, whether that Cisco's emergence or their, whether they're kind of sitting there planning on when they might want to call him up, as you said, maybe a September call-up, which might uh, say, all right, you know, Castillo's now on the trading block there because he's had a nice season, I, I, I think. Um, he's been a nice surprise, uh, both at the plate and behind the plate, um, and and maybe can can bring back some returns. Again, it's probably not going to be a blockbuster deal or anything like that. But I feel like Cisco's emergence might be tied to maybe whether Castillo um, is dealt. Well, I could be fine uh, with a Joseph Cisco catching tandem in 2018. Whether we'll see it this year, I don't know, and I I don't think uh, Cisco. I don't think they would trade Castillo because they have Cisco. I think if they traded Castillo, it would be because they got the right deal, and they might even then bring up Pena or somebody like that. But but Cisco is very close, and there's no reason to rush him. They've gone this far. He's played every step. He's made small but steady improvements. He keeps trending up. Uh, he he hadn't had a great year at at bat, but he's had a solid year, and he's getting better. And so, um, you know. Um, Andy McPhail always said it's okay to be a month late rather than a month soon, too soon with prospects. Uh, you want them to finish their development and, and Trey Mancini is the, is the poster child for that. They didn't rush him. He played at all the stops. He hit at all the stops. And then finally, after a full year of AAA, it was like, what are we going to do with Trey? He's played everywhere. And at the end of this year, we'll be able to say the same with Cisco. He's got a full year of AAA. It's time. It's his time. And 2018 is his time. That's good. And I wanted to ask you about another guy who's certainly uh, doing well down in the minor leagues, Ryan Mountcastle, Steve. He His time with the Keys has just been electric. Well, he has 35 doubles, and that is the most of any player on any team in all of minor league baseball. I can't tell you how many teams and players that encompasses, but this kid's bad has just been special. From the start of the year, and keep in mind, you know, he's 20 years old in the Carolina League, one of the youngest players in the league, and his defense, we know, is lacking at short, and it's very likely that he will not play shortstop at higher levels or in the majors, but they'll find somewhere from him to play when the time comes, and he's got enough athleticism to play left. Uh, He could play first. He could DH. I don't think he's going to play second or third. I think he's going to move off the infield unless it's first base. But uh, all, all along, there are people in the organization who said this is kid could emerge as a middle-of-the-order bat, and it's looking like we're seeing that. You know, he doesn't walk a lot, Brian, but the Orioles are okay with that right now. They like him being aggressive in swing mode right now, and they think as he learns his game and the strike zone more at higher levels, he will begin to walk more, and, and we saw Scope walk more at the major league level, but I think Ryan will do it sooner. But I'm not. that's not a red flag for me. It is for some fans who I've debated Mountcastle with on the blog this year. So great year, and the, funny, the great thing is, is he's not a slam dunk player of the year in the farm because Austin Hayes had two more home runs today, and he, can, he seems like he makes a great catch every night. He's more well-rounded offense and defense, uh, than Mountcastle, and one of those two is going to be player of the year, and maybe they'll be co-players of the year. 
if you had to lean one way or the other, would you would you go for Hayes over Mountcastle if it was up to you, or do you still need to see some more and kind of let them battle it out there? Uh, to each his own. I mean, Mountcastle's that's a special offensive year, but 20 home runs. You know, this kid's uh, Hayes is really doing it, and he is more of a five-tool guy, um, and he's having a great year too. So, I mean, it's hard. It would be hard. It probably if I had to, had to pick one, uh, I might – about fifty one percent Hayes and forty nine percent Mountcastle. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Molesky polling booth, which means it's too close to call. So we'll keep an eye on that. That that's certainly a fun race and a good problem to have when you got two guys competing for uh uh, player of the year within the organization so um steve we'll kind of wrap it up again the orioles are not doing so well they kind of struggled out of the gate there so we're hoping they can turn around with this homestand they still have four games uh with texas and then the astros come to town for three games uh so it'll really be interesting to see if they can kind of turn it around i, I feel like we're, we're saying you know we, we kind of end every episode with hey we'll, we'll see if they can turn it around and whatnot but eventually we're going to look up and it's going to be uh the end of august and um it's going to be too late to turn it around so Hopefully they can uh, get on board. Yeah, it's almost too late now, Brian. But I mean, it's not too late. You know, like you said, if the team went twelve and three, we'd be having a different conversation. But none of us thinks the team can go twelve and three. But but teams that look bad have turned it around to go twelve and three, and no one predicted it before it happened. Because you, I, I know of no team, Brian, that looks bad and their fans go, you know what? They're going to go twelve and three. Uh, they don't look like they are. And then in baseball. Uh, the Yankees uh, look like they would never lose, and now they've had a terrible, you know, four or five weeks. Um, and so Houston looked like they'd never lose, and they cooled off. Uh, teams just go up and down. So the Orioles need an up cycle. It doesn't look like they have it in them, but they also have 70 games to try to find it in them. That's true. I guess, fans, if you're a subscriber to the buy low, sell high theory, um, you get out your, your checkbooks because it's, it's, it's pretty low right now. But um, another, I guess the only glimmer of optimism, Steve, is I think we've seen, at least over in recent memory, the team that wins the World Series or at least makes a deep run in the playoffs sometimes isn't always the best team. It's just the hottest team. And, again, it might be too late for them, but we still got two months of baseball left. They're still, like we said, a couple good weeks of baseball away from getting into one of the wild card spots. Again, there's really no sign that they're able to do that. But we'll keep an eye. You never know. So um, we'll see. We'll check back in a few weeks and see how the Orioles are doing. But until then, be sure to check out MassInSports.com, everything you need to know about the Orioles from Steve Molesky, and be sure to check out your Podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud.